Hello, welcome back to Disney Channel Discourse. It is the second time in about five months that I'm making an episode, and it's the second time in five months that the episode is about the Owl House. Uh, unfortunately, Carly wasn't able to join us for this one, but Cadence is back, and before I give her a chance to say anything, I want to start off by saying that I was correct about the fact that the first of three specials took place entirely in the human realm. This is an inc- was an incredibly accurate prediction. I just want to say I feel like I'm getting smarter and smarter by the month. <laughs> Very smart. Do you want to say hi to everyone again? Yes. Hello to everyone again. <laughs> um, it's Cadence. Happy to be here. I'm a little under the weather right now, so my voice sounds a, a, a little... Uh, raspy but it's okay it's okay i'm happy to be here <laughs> if i had to guess we probably won't go quite as long as we did last time yeah i was, was thinking about that hours. myself last time was was like the exception and not the norm i would i would assume mm-hmm. the also norm because i only have this room booked for three hours that's the norm that's the n- we're already starting to reference phineas and ferb yes like less than a minute in <laughs> we love that um so i think i remember when I had first like floated the theory of, oh, the first episode will be entirely in the human realm, that I think you and Carly were pretty much in agreement that it would be a good idea, and I think a lot of people were kind of okay with it in the end. But it was a pretty, like a pretty big risk. Yeah. To like, have like the entire first special, not include Ida and King at all. But like I stand by the. I think it it totally worked to make the audience totally clueless about what's going on in the demon realm right alongside the characters that we were actually watching i agree i liked i mean I, of course i miss Ida and king um but i i liked that decision but like so does well. loose yeah exactly exactly we know how loose <laughs> feels another funny we were talking about this when this when thanks to them uh was announced that it would be coming out october 15th i was under the impression that like all three specials would be coming out like in pretty quick succession i to remember each other. that like maybe <laughs> Was... maybe within like you know a few weeks of each other i was like alex um, and, no and, and you're like no i was like what do you what do you mean no and i was i was kind of distraught by this and I, I had very mixed feelings about it um but yeah i've come around i like the idea of having them be spaced out i think the kind of like uh the the common thoughts in like the entertainment industry is you don't want to like kill the momentum of a show you want to you don't want to have too long of breaks. Like, This Is Us, which I watched over six years, often had, like, random hiatuses when, like, other things were going on on Tuesdays, and it would, like, totally disrupt the momentum. Um, but for a show like this, I think especially because it is extremely kind of, you know, lore-heavy, and so much of the fun is speculating and talking about it, it's okay to have breaks of a couple months. Maybe three months is a little much, but a break is okay. <laughs> oh, see, I went. I'm gonna start talking about Star. Um, there was <laughs> Star season two ended in February of 2019, and then July they dropped the first four episodes of season three, which really was the proper finale for season two. And then we didn't get more new episodes until November. So really, we had a little thing in between, but it was a very long hiatus. And there was over a year-long hiatus between season three and season four, or about a year. I don't remember, but I'm used to the hiatuses at this point. 
they don't really phase me as much as they used to. I'm like, yeah, I, for one, am happy to prolong the inevitable because I don't want the owl house to end. I will be really sad when it ends. It makes me so sad. I think about it and I just want to like cry that we only have two episodes left. It's going to be funny because like by the time the final episode comes out in April, it will have been 11 months since King's Tide. Ugh. Which is a little weird to to think about because that's a long time from the end of season two to only three episodes later even though they are the specials and it's a kind of kind of different yeah it's pretty crazy but also mm-hmm. yeah tracks with disney channel's track record <laughs> with uh the phineas and ferb effect of Milo murphy's law wasn't that like oh announced and came out like gosh. 14 months later or something it was announced i, I, I wasn't following s- it at the time i remember vividly i was at the gym i was like on an elliptical machine And I saw the tweet that the Milo Murphy effect was happening. It was probably in, like, 2017, 2018. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And that boost of excitement got me through my workout. But um, I don't think it aired in the States until, like, I want 2019, right? Yeah, early 2019. But it aired overseas, like, way before that. And I didn't watch the leaks. But, um, and then it was kind of underwhelming, Isabella was barely in it. She killed every yeah. moment that she was in, but it was a little underwhelming. Um, but still good. Yeah, it was okay. Anyway, yeah, it was time to start talking about fun. things to them. All right. Yes, so we I'll need have. to start by talking about the most important question, which is why is Amity's face so pointy? That's a great question. Maybe human realm food, like, I don't know. Maybe it's like a different diet. So like her her face it's a, a very it's a very generous interpretation but like i don't know because like you draw things so maybe you have more insight into this than i do but like i don't know how if it was like a conscious decision to like have this character design change or and if it wasn't conscious how does something like that actually happen i am honestly not sure i noticed another change they made was how willow's glasses are drawn from the side Mm -hmm. like it used to be i'm taking my no you can't see me taking my glasses off only alex can but like um originally in seasons one and two it's like a little circle to the side view but now it like looks actually like glasses like it looks flat um they they look more real now for season three and that's a change i appreciate as a glasses wear but yeah with emily's face i'm wondering if it's similar to like vanessa's skin tone in Phineas and Ferb content made after Phineas and Ferb where her skin tone is just wrong. And Dan has said they didn't do that on purpose. I think it was just an accident. So I'm wondering if the same thing happened with Amity. Like they just, or maybe new animators worked on it. Like I, I don't know. When I was watching the episode, um, spoilers, uh, <laughs> when Amity like, kisses Lucy's cheek at the end, I think I saw a tweet or something. It just looks so weird. Like it doesn't look like she's actually kissing Lucy. It looks yeah. like she's kissing the air. <laughs> Sorry, I have a cough. Uh, see, the thing with, with uh, Willow's glasses, I thought that one, I saw people pointing it out, and I was like, oh, I guess she just got new glasses. I don't think that was a design change. I think it was, mm. you know, sometimes people get new glasses. Um, yeah. I, where do you Hunter think... helped her pick them out. That's my new head. What did Hunter do? Hunter helped... Oh, Hunter helped her pick Willow out her glasses. Willow pick her new glasses. He put them on her face, and he was like... She's pretty. That happened. It's canon. I deem it canon. Morning marker. If you're listening, take this one. <laughs> yes. Here's a new comic idea for you. You're welcome. As as if he needs more ideas. Anyway, um, where would you say 
that this episode stacks up against the other episodes? Like, the, where does it rank among the very best for you? I don't know if I would rank it as the best because rewatchability-wise, I rewatched it earlier. And, like, there's moments that I really like. And it's a great episode. But as far as I rewatchability goes, there's some episodes of The Owl House I've watched, like, a dozen times. And I love them. And this one, like, it's really good... But it also makes me sad, and I also really miss the Boiling Isles. It's really cool mm-hmm. that it takes place in the human realm, but it, I think, it kind of, I'm sorry I keep talking about face and verb, I'm so sorry, but it's kind of like, <laughs> the setting is part of what makes something really enjoyable for me to watch. So Candace Against the Universe is not as enjoyable for me, because a lot of it does not take place in that setting that we know, um, whereas... Something like Across the Second Dimension is interesting because it takes that setting and, like, twists it and corrupts it, and that's really interesting. That's more interesting than a new setting. So I'm really interested to see if Episode 2 is going to do something similar where it takes the Boiling Owls we know, but it's, like, a corrupted version of it. That would be so cool if that happens in Episode 2. But, yeah, uh, as far as ranking it, I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. I don't think I would say it's, like, my favorite, but I would say it's one of the best. What about you? What would you what would you rank it? I'd have it definitely below the the tier of three, the podium, which is King's Tide, Hollow Mind, and Knocking on Hootie's Door. Those are the best ones. Hollow Mind is so good. Hollow Mind mm. that might be the best episode. I mean, I also I, I have a soft spot for like any sport in a storm. I just think King's Tide is like untouchable in a class by itself. Perfect episode of television, one of the best pieces it's of art ever made. So good. So it's so good. Yes. Yeah, so I think Hollow Mind's a distant number two. And, but I also think the following specials will likely be better than Thanks to Them, which is exciting because I think Thanks to Them is probably maybe my fourth or fifth favorite, like Yesterday's Lies in that zone as well. Um, but I think Thanks to Them, f- well, part of the reason was what you were saying about this setting being, you know, not the outhouse signature setting. But also, like, yeah, this episode was always going to be a means to an end like we knew that yeah. the kids were gonna face bellows we knew that a portal would be open at the end we knew that like it was operating in this kind of rigid basis and the yeah. following episodes aren't going to have that same kind of confinement yeah anything can happen now it's all it's truly all like i have off. no idea i have no idea what they're gonna see when they go through that portal and i'm excited that i have no idea well maybe some idea we came up with some theories, but um, we did come up with some yeah. theories. Um, I'm curious to see if you have any new ones now after this episode, but we'll get to that later. Okay. All right, let's let's dive in here. So, Act One, Scene One, Woo! End of King's Tide. <laughs> um, <laughs> it hurts. I know. I, well, first of all, it was an excellent choice to to start back here and to also like not even show King at all. Uh, except for him, like, floating away very briefly to just hear him say, like, I'm so happy I had you as a big sister. And there was also, like, there was no, I don't know if you noticed this, there was no cut to black or anything before we see Loose Hug Camilla. We get the shot that King's Tide ended on of the five of them standing there facing her. And then just an immediate cut to to the side view. Um, Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, after only having that last shot to live in our heads for a few months, that was, like, a... I thought it was an awesome way to show it. I like that too. I like that it put us right where we left off. 
for for at least a, like a couple minutes it put us right where we left off yeah you're like um, okay we're then, here and fast forward fast forward fast forward montage montage uh well before we get to that intro sequence uh which i have kind of mixed feelings about but uh so Luce and hunter kind of like get the casuals who don't have owl house brain brain rot up to speed on what happened who haven't been thinking about it constantly for the past few months remind them what the stakes are like the kids all explain to camille what happened green philip juice jumps around in the front yard you know this kind of basic introduction stuff gus loves bubble wrap amity and willow kill v's alarm clock and i I think a lot of what i really loved um was the little like post-it note on the wall welcome home Luce. we missed you v the heart which is especially I interesting. I caught that. This it was right outside, like V and all the other girls' bedroom. It was like a little note on the wall, That's which is so especially weird. interesting, because V had like never met Luce, at least not in person. Like they'd only spoken through the like mid dimension, which I don't remember what it's called. Um, and right away, like Luce starts apologizing to Camila. Um, I'm very excited to talk about V later because I have a lot of thoughts about V. Oh yeah. Um, I was just going to say, V and Luce, it's like they're Discord friends. <laughs> yeah. They're online friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Except they've only spoken like one time ever. Yes, um, they're like mutuals who never speak. Yeah, oh, they, they know each other through a friend of a friend, a.k.a. Camila. Yeah, yes, yes. Anyway, so after this, um, we get the intro sequence. Now, okay. I've I've mixed feelings about this because despite all the the fun that they jam packed into this montage type thing, it was also an extremely blatant reminder that the show was robbed of a full season. And I thought yes. we had moved past this. I had moved past this. I was like I had accepted it. I was like, Okay, we've only got three episodes, we'll make the most of it. And Dana was talking that same way too. She was like, we'll do the best with what we've got. And now we get this intro sequence where it's like, look at all we missed. Look at all that was taken from you. But I do want to kind of go through shot by shot because there's a lot of very important information here, which is too bad. But you're, you're nodding, so I think you, you feel the exact same way as I do about yeah. this. I mean, I never got over it. I'm, I will always be sad. We don't have a full season three. But this, like, it just made it painfully aware of all that we could have gotten. It's like, what might have been? But it's about um, the Owl House. I should write that. We mm-hmm. should write that. It's going to happen. <laughs> oh, what, oh, a par- what might have been parody about what season three could have been like? Yeah. Right. Yes. We, <laughs> okay, we got it. Perfect. We got to do it. Mm-hmm. I was actually toying with the idea in my head of, like, I'm sure I won't be able to to stop myself, like, once all of season three is out of making of just like i wouldn't obviously like write 20 episodes but like sketching out episode by episode what season th- oh, yeah. or the full season three could have oh, been yeah. like and i'm sure there's and having you know fictions. the hidden code acronym something like like yeah uh, like what we could have had or i don't think that's 20 letters but anyway um that'd be so sick. let's go through the shots in these this intro so first let's we do get, it first we get what's well, presumably the very next morning the kids walk into that abandoned house, you know, with determined looks on their face, looking around. And it's like, okay, you know, we're getting down to work. Shot two, Lumidi Studios presents. And it's the loose coming out to Camila scene. Now, yes. this was quite a surprise for me. Not that I was surprised that, that there would be a coming out scene in the Owl House. 
but I was under the impression that Camila already knew that Luce was bisexual because of the bi magnet on the fridge in yesterday's lie. I don't know if you remember this. I forgot about that. Which leads me to the only reasonable conclusion, which is that either Camila is or Manny was bisexual. <gasps> yes! I think that's got to be it, right? Or both. Oh my gosh. Both well, I don't... I, I do wonder, because Camila does have parenting books about, like, parenting... Go- <coughs> sorry, parenting queer kids in her house. <coughs> sorry, after the flash forward. So... I'm wondering, so either she isn't and she needs guidance or she is and she did not have the support system that she wishes she would have had growing up. So she wants to be that for Luce and that's why she's reading those books. I like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it'd be awesome if she was. Bi- I think she so is. Sick. I also th- like, I don't know, like on her like uh, nightstand, which we'll talk about a little bit later, um, we see... There is, like, a little buy bracelet as well on Camila. So either that was, like, she got it immediately, which is possible, or, you know, she's had it for years because she's bi as well. I love the little pin she wears. It makes me so happy. The next shot of the intro is Flapjack Wait. pecking away at the wooden floor. Oh, yes. Wait, I'm sorry. Can I tell a story? So yes, it's just ahead. it has to do with Lumini Studios. It's funny. So I actually had that spoiled for me before the episode came out, because of a Phineas and Ferb tweet, like, it was comparing that to some Phineas and Ferb video that was posted on YouTube over a decade ago. I thought it was a Phineas and Ferb meme, but I clicked on it, and then I scrolled, and it said Lumini Studios, and I was like, no! Oh. Spoilers. No! Then it's uh-huh. okay. When I, I first saw that, that I, thought it was, I thought it was fake. I thought so it was fake when I first I. saw that. I did, too. But it was Even the fake. final cut of it looks a little bit fake, in a way. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's part and of the trauma. Dana going, what are you going to do, Disney? What are you going to do? I love yeah, Gus yeah. and his flags. That's such a right. such a cute callback. Mm-hmm. I love that kid. Yeah. I didn't even think that it was a callback to Wing It Like Witches with his flags waving everywhere. I didn't even yeah, think of that. Yeah, and the one with um the Bat Queen. Yes, yes, yes. Flags. And he's like, they're not. Or maybe that. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. So, yeah. So, the next shot is Flapjack pecking away at the wooden floor. While the other palacemen are kind of just sitting there looking at him. Uh, we'll get back to that, of course. Uh, and the next one, oh, Flapjack plushie. Cadence has a, a Flapjack plushie. I do. I ordered him um, shortly after the episode ended. I was like, I have to have him now. So now he's mine. <laughs> he's a baby. And then, okay, I loved the next shot. Because in my imaginary full season three, this is how the first episode ends. Is with Gus, Willow, and Amity drawing their families and putting their pictures up on the wall including willow's dads being like we're fine willow uh and meanwhile hunter is like standing next to them kind of frowning because he didn't make a drawing because he doesn't think he has a family oh can i can i an interesting thought i've had about the kids families can i like i I love that shot too but it's interesting gus amity and willow none of them have a mom Really. Like, Amity has a mom, but she's, you know... But, like, not really. Horrible. She basically disowned her mom. And Gus has a dad. We don't know if he had a mom at one point, but he just talks about... He never mentions his mom. And Willow has two dads. Which, it's... I just... I think it is... 
I don't know if it's a coincidence or they or they did that on purpose. I just think it's interesting that Camila is kind of like everyone's mom now. <laughs> and it's she's not replacing their other moms because like yeah. they don't have another mom. It's just interesting. I don't think they meant to mm-hmm. I don't think there's any commentary there. But you know, it actually it is nice because so many Disney shows focus so much on dads, not moms. So we love that the show has both. Yeah, I think that probably is more of a coincidence than anything. Yeah. Because you have Camila and you have Ida. Uh, yeah. And right, it's, and the show has never tried to like play those two maternal figures to loose off of each other. Yeah. Um, which I think is smart. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, and also at this point in the intro, uh, a rat jumps through Luce's big needs Titan blood question mark diagram. Um, then we get the next shot. Uh, where Hex Squad is trying on funny clothes, and we get V's new appearance, which we saw in the promotional poster. Yes. Which I think t- took us took all of us a minute to be like, "Oh, who is that? It must be V." It's V. I love her new design. It's like it still looks like her, like changeling. What's what is she? Not a changeling. That's from My Little Pony. What is she? Ba- basilisk. Basilisk. A basilisk. It's like it still looks like her as a basilisk, but it's like she's a human. It's adorable. So the next shot in the intro sequence is the haircut situation. That low haircut. Um, in which, which begins with uh, Hunter looking at the Witch Hunters of Gravesfield book to do research on you know the Witch Hunters, uh, and then looks into the mirror. And finds himself so shockingly resembling Bellos uh, that he tries uh, and fails miserably to cut his hair in a different style in order to distance himself from Emperor Bellos, but fails to do so uh, without the help of Willow, who happens to be walking by at that moment. It's so... I saw this storyboard where, like, their expressions were so soft like, in the episode, Willow just kind of looks like, you know, normal, helpful, and Hunter is very flustered, which is adorable. But in this storyboard, I'll have to send it to you, they both look a lot more, like, soft and happy, and I, it's such a good scene. We could have had a whole subplot of that. We were robbed, but I love that scene, and I also think it's funny that um, Willow, her, she loves plants, and Hunter is a grimwalker and part plant, so she's cutting his hair. It's like she's like <laughs> gardening. Gardening. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Some funny. people making those those kinds of jokes. Yeah. It's a I little feel funny. like I feel like there could have been an episode. I think an original idea possibly was some episode about new identities mm-hmm. that was to do with Ooh. Hunter cutting his hair and V finding her new appearance with maybe a C plot of the Lumity date. Or of the coming out sequence. Like, those three parts are all small enough. They probably could have all coexisted in an episode together. That would have been so good. It's so sad. Uh, okay, the, the next the next scene is actually my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm all of the intro sequence. And because I think it's, like, the most important one by far. And it's also uh, a scene that the episode I think suffers tremendously from not having it be the opening scene instead of the Duolingo scene, mm. which is 
which is Lewis and all the friends putting their creative minds together to combine uh, magic with human science by having you know the the palisman magic with the palisman like spinning on those little wheels and hooking it up to like some kind of electrical circuit. Uh, in order to try to make a portal, but instead it just sets the door on fire, and Luce becomes unbearably sad about it. And I would have, I think it would have made so much more sense for this to be the opening scene. Yes! Uh, well, the opening scene after the intro sequence, for it to open on like, all right, we got this, we got that, check, 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 time to go, and then the portal doesn't work, and everyone's sad about it, and Camille's like, sorry, Luce, time to go to school. I think that would have made a lot more sense narratively than everyone sitting around, you know, learning how to speak Spanish, which is a nice scene, but I feel like it would have been better served in this intro sequence rather than it to start the episodes like, ah, here we are. We don't know what to do. We should just take a break for now, you know? That's so true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I do think the gut punch of Lou sitting in school and being like depressed hits a lot harder because we didn't have a scene like that contextualizing it i don't i don't think so i feel like if we have this scene of them making the the failed portal and perhaps it could have even been like that morning and then later that afternoon we see that scene of her in school uh it almost makes more sense with that more explicit context yeah I mean, I just remember watching that scene and, like, feeling my heart, like, drop. Which I think it would have had the same effect either way, so. Uh Anyway, to finish the the intro, the next shot is uh, everyone made a gross cake for Luce and Camila. (laughs) And then, and then the one after that is uh, they go to play in the rain. And there's this, this this beautiful piano riff, which is my favorite part of the, wait, actually, I'm in a practice room right now. Wait, I got a piano here. I'm going to. I'm going to see if you can hear it on the microphone. Wait, I'm just opening it. One second. I'm sure this sounds terrible. Wait. Hear this one, the... Whoops. That was... Let me try that again. Did you hear that? Yes, I did hear that piano. It was beautiful. Do you remember that part? Remember that part of the... Yes. Uh, I'm reaching over my jacket and backpack to play with one hand. That That was like, whoa. Okay, we're getting real here. And Willow, of course, has a camera. Amity cheers Luce up with a light glyph, all that oh. stuff. Uh, and then we we proceed to Happy Halloween with Luce crumbling up her light glyph doodle her, with her palisman egg under the lamp. She walks out the house, gets on the school bus, and then we have the title screen. I've There is no greater joy in the world than... An excellent title card. So true. And this is what this is, has to be one of the best title cards I've seen in my life. Because you were talking about the setting being different mm-hmm. and not Owl House, what we're used to. I think that's what makes the title card, at least, work so well. Because we have this, like, you know, the red leaf floating across the screen. Uh, and we see, you know, these fall colors in this just normal suburban suburb. Yeah. And I think af- after the, like, um, you know, the the... In Ida's dream sequence, in knocking on Hootie's door, when she's like, I've never had a dream this pretty, I think this title screen actually might be, like, the most visually appealing moment of the Owl House. And I think what is so, like, bone-chilling about it is how normal it is. After two seasons of magic everywhere, it's like, here we go. 
regular town title drop owl house and it's like oh shit this is bad isn't it everything's regular it's getting real now i do like i liked how they kind of communicated okay it's fall now which the timeline i can't think about it too hard because it confuses me um but yeah it's halloween now we'll talk about the timeline near the end i think because i mean it's not as bad as some other shows for sure um but it's not 100 percent clear um, yeah, so then it's the Spanish lessons and Flapjack banging away at the floor. Uh, and they, al- they also, they draw, they drew like a, a hoodie face on the door. Um, then basically after Camila comes in uh, and we kind of just, you know, walks like we're in the slice of life situation for like a minute or so. Amity rallies the troops to go search the town uh, and then steps in the hole that Flapjack poked in the floor and falls <laughs> over. And what we see... Is a little box with a piece of paper in it, uh, which is what Flapjack's uh, been looking for. And right away, we're like, all right, I guess here's the the inciting incident. I guess this is the map that will lead us to the portal in one way or another. Yes. I don't have many thoughts, except it's funny when Amity falls. <laughs> uh, and she does it again later as well. Well, yes. you probably have something to say uh, about the about moments after uh when when though at the buff, buff brains, brains moment yes okay it's j- hunter is in love with willow okay like <laughs> it's just so cute i love it I j- he loves her so much he's so smitten it's so cute i I just can't deal with it. It's adorable. I love that scene. I love Willow with my whole heart. I love them all. Yeah, he goes like, ha, ha, ha. He's, yeah, and looks at Willow like a second later than everyone else. He's just a baby. He's trying so yeah. hard to be subtle. He's not being subtle at all. But he's trying to be, yeah. I think. He's trying. Okay, so next up next up is the scene of Lucid School. And I'm glad we got a scene of Lucid School mm-hmm. um, in order to to really you know to well highlight the contrast between like you know hexide and this normal school yeah and i gasped when i saw fate versus free will written on the chalkboard because like we talked about we talked about this uh last episode when we were talking about time travel because it is firmly established that the owl house world or at least the boiling isles is a fixed timeline and so there is straight up no free will there and it's fatalistic I was surprised. It was a very bold choice to kind of have a scene like this that was a very kind of like cliche, suspender disbelief, like shouting on the desk situation. Yeah. What, what did what, what did you think of this? I all I can think is how devastated I was when Luce said, basically, it would be better if she never existed. That makes me very sad. Um, yes, I know the scene and I, I think it's important and the scene, it is a little on the nose, but like we have 40 something minutes. It has to be on the nose. And I, I do like that scene. It also is just, I'll talk about this more later, but just getting to see loose, like in that setting, it's like, she's a different character. Like she's not, but she's changed so much. And like, it makes me sad that scene. I do like that scene, even though it hurts me. But yeah, what do you, are you like, yeah, I mean, what I do mean, you think? I mean, I agree with you mostly. I mean, I, the, the scene, it definitely did its job and got its point across. 
Uh, I just feel like yeah, I think there was a way to maybe do it a little bit more tastefully than Luce kind of just starting to talk in class. Yeah. And honestly, even if it, even if it was just something as simple as the teacher being like, like Luce, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. And then she can you know start talking. Like I feel like just something as small as that maybe would have made it feel a little bit more. Um, yeah. Uh, down to earth in a way, you know. Yeah. But it definitely, I do think, would be, like, loose to have an outburst like that in the middle of class. That doesn't seem out of character for her. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. And, of course, she then walks by, like, no taxidermy, et cetera, sign. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and just... Which is right, funny, which but is, also like, for, sad. Besides being, besides being a nice callback to the pilot, pilot just shows, I think, like, how jaded she is now and how different she is after just, like, what, like, five or six months? yeah. I do like the scene after that. I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of you, but with the the um, classmates in the hallway, how they're, like, actually excited to talk to Luce. Like, people at yeah. her school like her. That made me happy. Yeah, I liked that, too. And I thought those uh, those people were about to become more important characters than they ended up being. Yeah. I thought they were beginning to become, like, serious allies. But I think I saw... Oh, I recently saw a thread, but I don't remember who, pointing out all the characters who were designed to look like people who actually worked on the show and i think those two as well as the english teacher were three of the examples oh that's cool i'll try to find it after i shouldn't be that hard anyway so these classmates give her the poster uh inviting her to the haunted hayride on halloween i got the poster (laughs) there's my buford voice and uh yeah so now we've set up the uh the main event of the final act always appreciated when uh, when a story does that and then the next scene which is very short is loose in the car with camila being a moody teenager uh, and then they almost while well, they drive by a, a car accident <laughs> as just a quick reminder that bellos is here uh, and it looked like he somehow possessed a deer and got hit by a car in deer form <laughs> i shouldn't laugh but i don't like you bellos so I feel bad for the deer, though. The deer did yeah, absolutely uh, nothing wrong. Deer did nothing wrong. Bellos just, like, straight up killed a deer. I hate that man. I hate him so much. I hate Bellos. And the little girl's like, Mommy, it wasn't a deer. It was a monster. Like, in case you needed... That is a little on the nose. But Yeah, it is a little on the nose. They probably could have just panned over and saw the green dripping off of it. And that would have been plenty. Yeah. Um... I saw people pointing out that, like, there's a chance Bellos, who had never seen a car before, was just so shocked that he couldn't move. Yeah, I think I saw that, too. (laughs) Poor Bellos. But also, no, because he's the worst. It's very funny. Some of this is stuff we'll probably talk about later, but this whole special spells out a lot of things that, like, were already very obvious to people who were in the fandom. Not that it's bad if it wasn't obvious to you, but it kind of reminds me of, like, the whole Hunter Grimwalker reveal when it officially happened, like, in, what, Hollow Mine. I didn't bat an eyelash. I already knew. I'd known. And, like, same with him being revealed to be um, Philip. Like, I knew. Like, the Time Pool episode, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Bellos. I thought that was the mm-hmm. reveal, well- so... And I think that episode's meant to reveal it to Luce. That's what I took it as. But, um, yeah, like, Hunter being a girl, Marco's like, yeah, I know. Ooh. Now Hunter knows, which is sad, but, like, I, I, <laughs> we knew he was a girl walker. 
Well, I don't know if you knew he was a Grimwalker, but mm-hmm. I knew. Well, I, I wasn't as paying close attention as I am now. So, yeah. like, I wasn't reading theories or whatever. So, like, I didn't know. Um, but also... What was that like? What was that experience getting that reveal? Uh, I was confused, actually, because I'm embarrassed to admit that, like, I, I didn't pay very close attention to a lot of details in the Owl House until after season two ended and I went back to rewatch it all and took uh, rigorous notes. Um, so I couldn't tell you the exact moment I realized that Hunter was a Grimwalker. It was, I don't know, maybe like a gradual reveal or something. Yeah, that's kind of how it was with the with the fandom. It was like a theory that gradually became, okay, this is true. This is pretty much true. And Hollow Mind was like, yep, mm-hmm. there you go. Same with like um, the brother being named Caleb. Like, I don't know that that was even explicitly confirmed until, like, um, King's Tide, or even this episode. This, because, but we knew there were two Wittabane brothers, and one is Philip, and the other one is Caleb, and it was like, well, he kind of looks like Hunter, so that's probably the brother, and Hunter's a clone of Caleb, like, we all, I mean, the first time we heard Caleb, the name, was when Flapjack... In any sport in the no, storm. that's it. That's it. what it is. That I got it backwards. Yeah. Yes, Flapjack said it, and we were like, "Oh, that's the brother." Just from Flapjack. Okay, yeah. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. been a long week. Yeah, that was it. Yes, that I remember. Well, mm-hmm. it's been uh, a long week. I agree. It's very interesting what the episode decides to be extremely subtle about, and what it decides to over-explain. There's yeah. one moment much later in the episode where it over-explains. I think to its detriment, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I know exactly uh, anyway. what you're talking about. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I think you do. Uh-huh. And um, so then next scene is what I like to think of as the cosmic frontier scene oh! where we are introduced to We need to make an obligatory frontier. space adventure joke for Carly. Carly, if you're listening, cosmic adventure and cosmic frontier and space adventure. <laughs> space cosmic adventure. Cosmic frontier <laughs> is calling you. Yeah. So put on your 20, 2008 fashion and make your way to the stars. Um, anyway, yeah. so Hunter uh, gets an ouchie while sewing. Uh, and he made himself a, a wolf shirt because he likes wolves. Oh, I'm going to talk about. Well, I've, I have a wolf theory later. Wait, you were about to say, oh, I have something about wolves to say right now. OK, I noticed this earlier. So Hunter loves wolves, and he has a discussion with Gus where he's kind of like, well, it's not that I don't want to go back to the Boiling Isles. I just, like, it's nice to have a break. Lewis's school mascot is the wolves. Oh, I did not think of that. And I thought you were going to say, in Camila's dream that we'll get to momentarily, she turns to the other parents and says, hey, wolves are actually great parents. Oh, yeah. Like, we that have girl that- must have <gasps> raised, raised by wolves. Okay, but, like, Camila and, like, Hunter, like, she's basically his mom. Like, I'm just yeah, wondering okay. if... The- I actually, I have a great theory about okay, Camila and Wolves, but I, I was going to say it near the end, but now that we're on the subject, I'm going to say it now. I don't know if you're ready for how brilliant this theory is. Okay. Are you ready for this? Lay it on me. Camila, Wolf Palisman. It's good, isn't it? She's going to get a palisman, and it's going to be a wolf. Oh, that'd be so sick. Well, what about Hunter? I think Hunter's also going to get a wolf palisman. 
I think he's going to make You think he's going to get a new palisman besides after Flapjack? Well, he talks about how he wants to learn to carve palisman. So I think we're getting off topic. I think Ida's dad, I've seen people talk about this, is going to teach him how. Maybe he'll carve a wolf palisman for his mom, Camila. <gasps> oh, wait. <laughs> wait. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. I need that to be canon out. Morning, Mark, write this down. We're giving you so many ideas. <laughs> or Dana Terrace, write this down. Yes, That's an option Dana, too. write this down. <laughs> mm-hmm. I All love right. that. Yeah, there's my theory. I love that. Um, I love that. That was I thought of that idea like two hours ago. I was like, I'm so glad I came up with this right now, so I can mention it on the podcast. Anyway, uh, I actually had forgotten that Hunter was like canonically had tried sewing before and was bad at it in any sport in a storm. Yeah. When he tried to, like, fix the sigil. It's so cute. And I love that he's, like, getting better at sewing. I like to sew. I don't sew much, but I like to sew. So I'm like, oh, he sews. And he's such a, he's just a small bean. He loves wolves, mm-hmm. and he just wants to be happy. And then, of course, we have the moment where Gus says, I'm glad you're happy. One of us might as well oh, be. That's and it's like, hurts. oh, we are getting angsty, are we, Gus? I do have some thoughts about Cosmic Frontier, but it relates to stuff that's, like, later in the episode. So, like, I want to save some of that stuff. But I I will say for now, I love... I'm going to talk about some more later. But I love that Hunter, he, like, finds a character in this piece of media that he can, like, relate to. And, like... And it, like, makes him feel better about his situation. Like, that's that's what fandom is all about. And it makes me happy that they put that in here. It is kind of miraculous that, A... Well, first of all, Gus knows that Hunter is a Grimwalker, um, but isn't telling him that he knows. B, Gus read a book that was in the basement where there happens to be a clone. And also, he, he like, shows it to Hunter uh, subtly so that he can be like, hey, look, here's a clone just like you, without, of course, saying that overtly. Like, it's okay, man. You know, I mean, he's got that little illusion thingy. I don't know if that enables him to, like, see things, but, like, I don't know. I just thought about that. You know like, the little thing that Gus has? Like, yeah, yeah, that he thing? got, oh, like, wait. He, like, stole from Adrian or something. Wait, no! Gus! Wait a minute! Didn't Gus see, like, he did that little mind spell to Bellos that, like, amplifies all your worst memories? Yes. And this is something, this is why Hunter knows, this is why Gus knows that Hunter is a Grimwalker. Oh my gosh! That's... Yeah, yeah. That's why he knows. Like, Willow and Amity didn't know. Oh my god, I thought that this was just speculation that Gus might know, but oh my god, Gus, oh my gosh, he's known all along. Gus saw it in Bellus' mind. That's how he knows. And I'm actually, I'm confused about how... Gus, Willow, and Amity knew or, or figured out or found out that Bellos was Philip, but I kind of want to save that for the end of the episode. Okay. Um, because I don't know when that came about. Um, anyway. So and then uh, Gus, this opens up the closet with a bunch of Cosmic Frontier stuff, and I, did you notice the box that said like Manny's cosplay? Yeah. Yeah, that was. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. I only noticed it afterward. It's so sweet. Maury Mark has a good comic about about that. Yes, I I saw 
um a comic about uh about Manny and Camila meeting at like some kind of was it like a Halloween yeah, party or something. That's the uh-huh. one. It's so good. Yeah. Oh. And then we have the uh the lead up to Camila's dream in oh. which it starts with first of all Luce's hand reaching up to like the sun and moon and stars thingy above her bed and looking just like the collector hand. Like Spooky. did you think for did you think for a second was did you have a moment where you're like oh sh- are they cutting to the collector? Like I love the reminder that like Luce is thinking about the collector and what they're doing and like feels guilty about it in that extremely quick form of like a nod to the collector and how important the collector is going to be. I love that. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. It's a great callback and it's like subtle. Did you think for a moment like wait wait is that the collector? What are they doing? I honestly don't remember. I think I was more just like, oh, Luce is sad. She's thinking about her trauma, and it's the collector motif, and that was so clever, but also I'm in pain. I'm pretty sure that was my thought process. Actually, I had a very, I had another very sad uh, observation about this scene, which is that, which is that Luce, uh, like, has always had, like, bunk beds in her room, and people are thinking, people are saying, and are wondering if Camila and Manny had been planning on having another child to share a room with Luce. Oh, that's so sad. I wonder if that's why, or maybe like, I don't know. I can also see Luce wanting to like have an extra bed for her stuffed animals. I like that explanation better. Maybe it was like both. <laughs> Yeah, she just needed a she needed room for all of her her plushies. Yeah, or she just sometimes or maybe she just wanted to sleep closer to the ceiling. Yes. Easy. Never mind. Okay. Next up. Yes. Is angst avoided. Oh yes, angst avoided. Uh next up is the Camila's dream scene. This scene was oh. okay. This scene was one of the three moments in the episode where I had my mouth like open stunned at how masterfully it was put together Be- okay so it's so good she, so she's got you know a million books around her bed and like little notes scribbled and coupons everywhere and she falls asleep and she dreams uh, and she dreams about you know itty bitty loose scaring off the other kids at the playground talking about the skin of the garter snake and this is where oh she must have been raised by wolves that thing and camilla turns around and like snaps with the other parents then she finds herself at lucy's a Shakespeare play audition. I don't know why the parents are there, but whatever. And she does that thing where, you know, she, where like, what is it? The snakes or worms or whatever come out. The hot dogs, like she, her, her innards. Right, her she, guts. Oh, happy dagger, give me death. And mm-hmm. And Camila goes. And she goes, oh, you can say Yeah, it. Well, her dad taught her that one, right. And the guy behind Camila is like, oh, it smells so bad in here or something. And I noticed that guy is actually wearing like a Charlie Brown shirt. It's like yellow with the black stripe. I don't know if that was intentional. No, you're not a good man, Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you it was You are not Charlie the kind Brown. of reminder we need. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. And then the, the last portion of this dream is Camila in a man's office being like, you know, didn't you say you were bullied as a kid? People can react to to grief in different ways, um, and yeah. basically uh, convincing Camila to send Luce to the to the think inside the box summer camp or whatever it's called. And like the water starts rising as soon as he's like, "Weren't you bullied?" Yes. And then the water like that 
Oh, it's so good. Yeah, she starts like drowning and then she ends up being like extremely physically small com- in comparison to the other man. Um, yeah. And clearly the purpose of the sequence is to condense an entire Camilla backstory slash justification of her past actions into 60 seconds. But I'm wondering yeah. what are the like universe laws of dreams because obviously with with Ida's dreams in like knocking on Hootie's door uh we understood them as explicitly past events of her life that she was living through again but I had thought that was just like oh a magic thing or like a boiling isles thing we know from being human beings that that's not how humans dream so I kind of interpreted this as Camilla uh like saying in her dream what she wished she had said in real life and that she I didn't think about that and that like in these real past experiences she hadn't actually stepped in or she was too like uh you know she was too nervous to actually like stand up for like loose and thereby kind of like stand up for herself as a parent um but I don't know if that was what we were supposed to read into it but I thought that was a possible interpretation I think that's an interesting idea. I I do not, however, think that that's what the show's going for because I think I think it's I think they're supposed to be past memories like Ida because I know there were some preconceived notions about Camilla that she was like a bad mom, like especially in the beginning, like she wants to send Luce away, and I like and I think these dreams are meant to show us that's not the case. Camilla has always admired Luce's creativity and She's motivated by fear. She doesn't want Luce to end up, like, suffering or struggling the way that she has struggled. So I I think it's, like, too many layers if it's, like, well, in real life, Camila was unsupportive. But, like, actually, she was supportive, but she wasn't really supportive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think either way the point comes across because I'm I'm not saying, like, oh, Camila was, like, unsupportive in real life. Uh, I think, though... It kind of it aligns with Camila, like not being able to stand up to, uh, to the man who said she should send Luce to camp, um, that she, like, did support Luce, but um, she wasn't confident enough in it and wishes she had been, and that's kind of the regret, that she's dreaming about. Yeah, and I almost think in these moments, Luce probably does not know that her mom supported her. Because we yes. never see Luce's reaction to it. It's just Camilla getting shot down by other people before she can show Luce the support that Luce needs. Right. Um, and then she's awoken from the dream by Luce coming in and saying, Mom, why aren't you mad at me? And I don't know if you, I don't know if you know. Oh, well, for, we can talk about later on. I can talk about we can talk about like the timeline and the use of the time skip. I thought it might have been like it would have made more sense narratively to have this be like to have loose asking this question much closer to like when she got back home yeah um, i don't know if you, ge- yeah. i don't know if you noticed there was a picture of camilla and v hanging up in camilla's room like right next to the door when loose walked in i didn't notice that oh yeah it was nice anyway so we get the scene of everyone makes mistakes what matters is that you learn from them everybody type thing has those days. everybody has those days one, two, three, four. Um, and 
one, two, three, four. Can I sleep in your room tonight, Mom? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It writes Um, itself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The lyrics just flow off the tongue. Anyway, um, so... And then Luther, I think Camila like puts the palisman egg now down, uh, neck on like the nightstand next to the little buy bracelet, and the framed yes. picture of the garter snake skin. Um, before we have like a very quick cut to Bella's possessing an animal, but I want to talk. Ugh. I feel like now's a good time to talk about Luther's palisman, because uh, we were talking about this last time, and I think you and Carly both agreed that like it would probably be a bat, and I didn't really have much of an opinion. I'm extremely convinced now that it will be a snake. Yes, it's going to be a snake. <laughs> yes, okay. The garter snake brought a live snake to school. Lots of snake imagery. And I was it you or was it someone else who pointed out to me the theory of like the upside down logo? I don't know that that was me. That was I think that was like on Twitter or something. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about. That it looks like a snake or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically in the actual logo, upright, you can see... Uh, I think that, like, one of the lines in the H is, like, a staff, and the O of the word owl is Albert. Yes. And and then when you flip it upside down, it looks like the L in owl is a staff, and the S of house is, like, a snake. So it's like, yes. oh, okay. yeah, I snake palisman. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if a snake palisman, uh, well, I'm sure it would, you know, help out somehow. In the big upcoming battles, I wonder if it can stretch out super long like Hootie. <gasps> Ooh, maybe, maybe so. Replace because when Hootie meets his untimely demise, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're sure this is coming now. Are we? Are we sure? Oh, poor Hootie. I hope we're wrong about that. In a way, I hope I'm wrong, but in a way, it would be kind of insane <laughs> if we nailed that prediction months ago. That would be pretty wild. It's a win for us either way, but I also yeah. don't want Hootie to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so next up, we've got a scene uh, where Amity and Willow and Hunter and Gus and V are preparing for a Gravesfield adventure, and Hunter's wearing his bad human disguise. And uh, I love this scene. It's so good. And we have, you know, Hunter being like, oh, I'm almost on the book. Uh, I'm getting to the point where something, something is, Avery's going to figure out that O'Bailey's a clone. And Gus goes, I think he already knows. And Hunter goes, ap, 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 no spoilers. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but someone pointed out, um, I think a scene from actually season one when we very first meet Bellows. And he says, ap, 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 to lose. Oh, I saw that. It it's it's horrible, Alex. It's horrible. It is quite horrible, isn't it? Oh God! And it's like I love that little moment with Hunter. It's like so he's just a small bean, and I'm like, oh, that he just cares about spoilers. That's adorable. And then you realize Bellos does the up 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 thing, and you're like, it's ruined. Yeah, in a way. I hate it here. Yeah. Do you want to talk? Would you like to talk about the Huntlow point of view of yes, this scene? I would. Okay. So I think this scene is. I'm going to talk about Lumity too. I love this scene one because I love that Willow like unironically is like yes Hunter and she 
like, supports his interests and, like, wants to read the book and, like, maybe flirts with him with the little wink? Like, I don't know. What do you mean, she maybe? Might, she might be doing a little bit of flirting. You go, Queen Willow. But it's also, like, I love that Amity's just, like, um, you look horrible, go change. And and Willow's like, don't listen to her. Like, keep right. the outfit on. And it's like the roles have reversed. Because in season one, Amity was like, oh my gosh, Luce, like, oh, she's so stupid. Which I love. I mean, I hate it. And it's dumb. And she was the one who was very much like, oh my gosh, Luce. And Willow and Gus were both kind of like, uh, are, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, right. what? Like, what's going on? And so now it's, like, Amity, like, my head is, like, she's watching Willow going, is that what I was like? Was I like this? (laughs) Like, ew, you know? Because I think Uh Amity looks at her and she's like, Willow, what do you see in him? And Willow's like, excuse me. And then it's like, Amity used to bully Willow, so it's like, she's like, you can't say anything. Let me have that. Like, I don't know. I just think that's really funny. <laughs> I know yeah, I'm kind of, sure. but, but yeah, I love the kind of role reversal of Amity being the one. Like, there's a scene where she's like side-eyeing Willow. Like, are you for real right now? What? Mm-hmm. Bestie, are you okay? And Carly, Carly and I, she's not here, but we've joked that it's like, she's like Amity and I'm like Willow. And we like, I don't know. We side eye each other. I don't know. It's just it's it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Uh-huh. It's funny too. In me. this instance, though, Hunter actually succumbs to Amity's suggestions and does decide to stay back and change clothes, which would prove to be his ultimate demise. Sadly, Amity. It's Amity. He should have come with them in his little cosplay, and he could have gone on the adventure. Like I am so sick and sad that he did not go with them. Like, Here's he and Willow though. could have held hands. It would have been so beautiful. But no, instead he had to go and get possessed. Here's the thing. What Hunter said much later in the episode to Luce about if it wasn't you, it would have been someone else, applies here. Like, if Bellos <gasps> didn't possess Hunter, then he would have possessed him the next day or the next week oh or the next God. month. That's so true. He would have done it eventually. Um, and so, right, it was it was inevitable from that point of view. So but the fact that I, he don't... touches it with his finger that's injured. Like, I was watching it today, like, Hunter, what are you doing? Yeah, that was pretty dumb on his part. You're um, so stupid. <laughs> but he's just a I baby. Like, of course he is. I feel like it would. I would have preferred if Bellos had kind of just snuck in there rather than Hunter swiping his finger in it <laughs> and the suspicious <laughs> green this? liquid. Oh, I don't know. Hope that doesn't come up later. But yeah, yeah. That's oh, I'm sure like... it's nothing. But yeah, Hunter gets like <laughs> a, a very like wound. horror movie style chilling look, and uh, like like takes a very scary breath about it. This is actually where in my notes, I put, um, in reference to Gus going. I think he already knows. Is what does Gus know? Because I'm quite certain he knows that Hunter's a Grimwalker from looking yeah. to Bellis's memories. Does he know specifically that Hunter is a Grimwalker of Caleb? Does he know who Caleb was? Does he know about all the dead Grimwalkers? H- how much did he find out about See, Philip's life? 
before this episode came out, I and a lot of people thought that that was how we were going to find out the backstory, that Gus was going to fill them in. But now yes, so it's too. like they waited months in universe and got the backstory at the little Halloween fair. And it's like, oh, I wanted Gus to be the one to tell them. So I'm not sure how much he knows. We, we probably will never find out. They probably I are just th- not going to acknowledge that. That's my theory. Well, they'll definitely bring it up again. I, oh they goodness. might not acknowledge how how deep the knowledge goes. I we could. Oh, I wish I went back to King's Tide and looked closer at the specific shots we saw. I if I had to guess, his knowledge is just about um, Caleb, and he might know Philip killed Caleb, and he might know about the Grimwalkers. I don't think he knows uh, like about. Uh, or I think he knew about like Evelyn or. You know, I don't think he knows every single little detail of Philip's life. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably just a Grimwalker. Especially stuff. now that we only have two episodes left, I don't think that that's. I don't think they're gonna bring it up. Well, I think the, I mean, well, they, they, they have to bring it up in some way. You know, the, uh, maybe it won't become a big player, but I I don't think we'll just ignore the fact that Gus saw into Bellos's mind briefly. I mean. Disney has a track record of ignoring things that you'd think would be important. But no, I'm just saying, not, don't not get your show. hopes up. Don't not get the, your no, hopes up. I this, mean, this show wouldn't disappoint me. Uh, I have trust issues. I Well, you watch Star vs. the Forces of Evil, so that's a whole different <laughs> thing. Okay, let the record show. I was, talking to, it was, I was talking to Brian about this. I do love Star, despite... I, I know I... I know I trash talk it a lot, but I do love it. I love it so much. I nitpick it because I care. Okay? Let the record show. And it also disappointed you tremendously at the end. It did. It did. But I also love it with my whole heart. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Anyway, okay. Anyway, now that we are talking I'll about like, what Gus knows, I think it's also a good time to ask like, how and when... Did Amity and Willow and Gus learn that Bellos was like not only a human, but that he was Philip and that he, you know, survived for hundreds of years by consuming Palisman? Because at the start of the episode, which keep in mind, this is probably like an hour or so after the after the events of King's Tide, Gus tells Camilla, oh, well, Bellos started out human, right? So he says this very matter-of-factly, so this is not something... A, that he learned by looking in Bellos's mind. Um, and it also is something that everyone at the table clearly knows. And also even at the, hay, at the hayride. I think that's... I have an answer for you. Okay, please give it to me. I think um, in Labyrinth Runners at the end, I think when Hunter gathered everyone around to tell them what the Day of Unity actually was, I think that's when he told everyone. Oh... I think you must be right. Um, yeah, I think that's what happened. I mean, of course, he admitted the Grimwalker part, but um, I think that's when he told them. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, because I, I had forgotten about that scene because it frustrated me that the show never seemed to circle back to that. And I thought, like, all the Hex Squad kids, including, like, Viney and Skara and everyone else, was going to, like, form some kind of rebellion or, like, ally with the cats. But we never see them from that point onward. So I was like, oh. I guess Hunter, Hunter, like telling them things didn't actually amount to much of anything, because in my mind I was like, 
okay, Luce told Ida and King and Hootie and Albert and Lilith and Rain and probably the other cats. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess that, that must be how they found out. Because also later on in the Hayride, Amity is like, Wittabane? Isn't that Bellows? And I was like, how do you know that? that how, how, who told you this? So thank you. Thank you very much for that answer. You're welcome. Next up, um, we've got Montage and Lunch. Um, so first of all, I have another question because they go to the magic circle. Why did Willow poke a stranger in the butt? I don't understand. I have no idea. I was thinking about that too. She was just in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> That's not nice though. Why, why would she do that? I don't know. It makes no sense. I, I have no idea, but it's so it's so funny. The use, the use she... of Willow in this episode is probably among the most, the parts I like the least about it. And yeah, I don't, I don't like that moment for her character. It's just so bizarre that I have to laugh at it because I don't know what else to do. But yeah, I don't. That doesn't really seem in character to me. Yeah, it's bizarre. And besides that, she barely serves the plot at all. We'll talk about that later, though, because yeah, uh, Willow's role moving forward, and even in past episodes, is something that uh, is I think subtle, but like important in some in some instances. Um, but I think it's going to hopefully get more important moving forward. And then in the montage, Willow and Gus look at the statue of Philip and Caleb. They know Philip is Bellos, and Gus knows Hunter is a clone. And from what I gather, Gus and Willow looking at this statue are like, oh, confused face. That looks like Hunter. Um, and yeah. I think that's what we're supposed to read from it. So uh, I would imagine Gus puts it together at this point. Oh, that's who Hunter's a clone of, if he didn't already know. Yeah, that would make sense. I still wonder what Willow was thinking at that moment. I am not sure. Because we know at the end, she's very much like, Grand Walker! Like, she had no idea. Right. She, I don't know that she suspected it at all. She might not even have known. Well, I don't know if she knew what a Grim Walker was or not. But, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. Or maybe, I mean, they do know that Hunter's... I just, they know that Bellows is Hunter's uncle. So they probably, if nothing else, Willow's like, oh, that's sad. He looks just like Hunter. That's Hunter's relative. Maybe that's what was going through her head. Right. Oh, this is another thing I totally hadn't thought of. Because, so they thought, like previously, like Bellows was a witch. Hunter was a witch. They find out Bellows is a human. But they thought Hunter was related to Bellows. So now what do they think that like Hunter is a human too? Or like part human, part witch? Or like, like Probably what? part human, part witch. Like if he's um, Bellows' nephew, then he could have... Then one of his parents is probably a witch. And there you go. That might be what they're... It is strange that that never comes up though. That yeah. Willow and Amity... Are like oh yeah. so you're like not completely a witch and you use artificial magic and like the I think the myth or I guess the lie that Bellas had told Hunter was like oh wild magic like ruined our family's magic so that's why you have weaker magic. Um, now it's apparent that that's not true. So I wonder... well no I think it's wild magic destroyed their family but Hunter is told that he doesn't have magic and a lot of his ancestors also didn't have magic. And now we know that to mean he is 
the next in a long line of Grimwalkers, all who probably did not have innate magic. But I think right. Bellos led him to believe that his ancestors also didn't have magic, so that's why Hunter doesn't have it. And that wild magic, magic that Hunter could do, um, because it's not innate, it's from the Isles, he needs to stay away from it because it killed their family, but really I think he's just trying to control Hunter and keep him away from wild magic. Right. So I think Willow and Amity probably still believe to some extent that Hunter is in fact Bellos's nephew, but Hunter yeah. is like an orphan somehow. Yeah, like maybe he's adopted or distantly related or something. Mhm. Okay. That makes sense. Then Amity falls over in the library. Um, <laughs> she's and just then like we get the drafts. Did you enjoy the draft? Oh. I love the giraffe bit. That's so good. The the that's a good callback. Uh huh. Some people had been theorizing that oh maybe giraffes are actually gonna like be the key to opening a portal, like the giraffe blood or something. Um, that would have been so which, sick. It would have been a little bit too niche, I think. And also, yeah. As we'll as we'll talk about later, I think the most brilliant thing the episode did was the way that they opened the portal was also something that moved the lore forward in an extremely important way. Yeah. Like both those things happen simultaneously. So anyway, um, one thing I noticed about this sequence is that Hunter was like, you run along, get catch the bus. I'll catch up with you. And then he never caught up to them and they don't seem to care. Oh, that is strange. He probably told them, oh, I was just reading Cosmic Frontiers. I couldn't put it down. He probably told some sort of lie. I don't, I know. don't know. I wouldn't have liked that, though. I wish... I don't know what I wish. I, I wish Will have been like, gee, what's taking Hunter so long? Yeah. And then, well, okay. We, I, I understand why they didn't want to take that story in that direction because a big part of the episode is Hunter and Luce feeling like they have to do everything by themselves to make up for their alleged mistakes. Um, yeah. So I get why they wanted to take it narratively in that direction. Um, but anyway, which is also why I think it could have made sense for like Hunter it would have been okay if like Bellos entered his wound without him even seeing Bellos at all uh, or not seeing him until later. And so that, so that we don't have this weird dynamic of like, Oh, I'll catch up with you later. And I'll actually, no, I'll just stay at the house all day. Cause I'm petrified. Yeah. I do wish they'd, I mean, I think it's just a matter of, we didn't have enough time. Then we go on over, because uh, V has the courage to face her fears at the Gravesfield, Gravesfield Historical Society and bust down the door. And who's there but not Jacob Hopkins, but Masha, who we met in yesterday's lie with their non-binary painted fingernails and the little they-them plaque on the desk. Yes, uh, I love them. We find out that Jacob's been fired. So there goes that B villain that I was semi-hoping for. Um, and this is also the moment where we learned that a basilisk worm girl who was made in a lab can indeed have a crush on a human being. Yes. And I love that. I love that for her. It's so <laughs> cute. Yeah, there really is. There's there's no limit in the Owl House universe to, to who can have a crush on who. Yes. Who, who, do, who, who do Except Hootie. Who, Hootie's going to get them together um, in part three. Oh, in the Tunnel of Love, Masha and yes. V? Masha and V are going to be there, and then Hunter and Willow will also be there. <laughs> is the ship name me? 
Me he he. I don't know. Probably not. V. Anyway. Masha. Va- Va- I don't know. Pro- probably Vasha or Visha. I don't know. I've never seen a ship name for them. It's just like, oh my gosh. V and Masha. It's yes. Masha and V. Anyway. Um, the, Masha Masha's and the, the one. Masha's the one who explains the Rebus to them after Amity asks about it. Uh, and then right after that, after right after Masha's like, oh, look, it's a, it's a, it's a puzzle. And these symbols stand for words. Obviously, everyone else quickly realizes that the puzzle says Titan's blood. And then we Ooh. get this sequence uh, where V is like, wow, you must have been friends forever or something. And it's like, maybe the scrapbook has room for like one more picture. And this is a scene I will talk about later when we talk about V and how frustrated I am that she didn't go back to the Boiling Isles with them because I thought that's what they were building towards when she was like, I'm going to I want to join your your friend group and be part of yeah. this this squad. Um, that scene in of itself was kind of weird, too, though, because I know we're talking about V later. But when I rewatched it earlier, I was like, is V not integrated into the friend group at this point? Like they've been living together for months and sleeping in the same room. For months. I know. Like, are you telling me V's not in the scrapbook? Like, I, okay, V, we did see there were already pictures of V in the scrapbook. I think she was like, "Is there room for one more picture and not one more person?" You know? Yeah. But like the first time I watched that, I kind of had that same impression, uh, and it was I understand V kind of feeling like the outcast in the group, and I assume that would have been delved into more in a fuller season. Um, but honestly. It looks like they didn't even re- really plan on like following through with yeah. that storyline because it it kind of just it fell apart at the end of the episode when she was like, "Eh, I don't I don't feel like going with you." I mean, I guess she maybe she's going to come to the boiling house in like part 2 or part 3 when she's braver. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. Well, okay. We'll, we'll we'll talk about V uh later because I have a lot of thoughts on this. But then, here's something that happens next, is that Amity decides, for some reason, that uh, this should be a surprise for Luce. And I, I, uh, this frustrates me, because, yeah. I mean, it's so clearly, like, just a way to, to postpone this revelation for the purpose of setting up the final act, and not something that would actually happen, because... These clues should have been pursued urgently because they haven't seen their families in months. And I feel like it's a relatively simple rewrite uh, where they could have just made, they could have just like met Masha on Halloween day so that the hayride was only a couple hours later and there's nothing to like keep as a surprise. It's just, oh, we'll meet Luce at the hayride and, and tell her this then. Or something to that effect. Yeah, I agree. It is kind of like... There definitely is a sense of urgency that's kind of lacking here. And there's another Disney show um, that I think has a similar problem. Where there's a very um, obvious lack of urgency. Even though, like, where characters are somewhere else. They're, they, they're needed. They get separated from where they're supposed to be. And they need to get back. But there's a very big lack of urgency. And in this one, this other show, they have a full season. So it's like half a season of kind of slice of life. Like, we're seeing it happen. 
Whereas with Owl House, we don't really get to see that, but it's implied that all of this slice of life, like date, fun days, have happened. And it's like, yay, but also there's like, it's very bad back where you're from. Like, shouldn't you be a little more urgent? It is, it's kind of weird. The lack of urgency and like yeah, well, that doesn't and like Amity not wanting to that, show that this. doesn't bother me as much because like because like you know you I'm not saying they should have been working endlessly on the portal every single day because you can't do that for two yeah. months straight. Um, so it's okay to you know as take COVID a break. taught us. I just it's like once you're this close, once you're once you're this close, and you have like here is the path to making a portal right in front of your eyes. Uh, that's the point you kind of got to go pedal yeah. to the metal. It's not like they're trying to get back to the Boiling Isles in time for a birthday party. You know, it's not like Sunshine and Rainbows. They don't know what the heck's waiting for them. It's exciting, but it's not like a fun surprise. It's like, oh, well, we got to get home to fight yeah. the bad guy, the cosmic terror. The cosmic, the co- wait, cosmic yeah. frontier. Mm-hmm. Who lives in a cosmic frontier? Is the collector the, collect- the cosmic <laughs> frontier? Is the collector, uh, what's it, Captain yes. Avery? The collector actually wrote Cosmic Frontiers and sent it in a portal for so Lucy's parents. And the Titan wrote the Good Witch Azura. <laughs> yes. New favorite theory. Um, next up, we have the Happy Pets Clinic, which is a very short scene in which Luce wonders whether she ruined her palisman's life. And then her little glyph doodle starts smoking a little bit. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Is there like they're oh. mad nearby? And my first thought was, oh, it's because the palisman is about Same. to hatch. And there's like palisman magic radiating. Too. But no. And the actual reason turned out to be way cooler yeah. than that. Also, we need to appreciate that Luce drew. She drew a little polywog, which is a reference to Polly from Amphibia. And she drew a little platypus, which is probably a reference to Perry. I did not see the Perry drawing or the platypus drawing. I'm pretty... Well, I mean, I noticed this today. I could have just been seeing a platypus because I have Phineas and Ferb brain rot, but I think she draws a platypus. <laughs> okay. I, I, I saw people talking about like... Which, the... I mean, they are one of the only mammals to lay eggs. So. They, they certainly are. And, of course, there is an egg sitting on the table right there, so it makes sense a platypus <laughs> is involved. Can you imagine if her palisman was a platypus? Can you imagine if her palisman was a platypus with a fedora? (laughs) A platypus palisman? Perry the the platypus platypus palisman. palisman. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get Sam to record that right now. If it's not a if it's not a snake, I hope her platysman is just straight up Perry the platypus. Her platysman. (laughs) Her platysman. Did I say platysman? Yes! <laughs> I didn't even realize. Oh, man. Perry the Platysmith. So move. good. Perry the Platysmith. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I hope you enjoyed the first half of this discussion on Thanks to Them. I invite you to now go listen to part two, which you will find in this very same feed.